Welcome back to episode 44 of the Run It Three Ways podcast. On this week's show, we've got a Valencia Marathon preview, including our first ever competition and giveaway, an insight into the new Nike Alpha 5 3, as well as the exciting news that Callum has been selected to represent GB after an impressive race over the mud in Liverpool. How are we, guys? All good? What's up, boys? Yeah, blockbuster of an episode, this, isn't it? I know, jam-packed. that intro. Jam-packed. Tom, what time is your flight today, the day of recording? Well, I'm not actually flying today. I'm flying very early um, tomorrow morning. So I'm flying to uh, Alicante for Valencia Marathon tomorrow oh, very nice. morning at 7. Um, Late but, entry? Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I think Andy would lose his marbles. If I, <laughs> you see, he's going to be out there, actually, Andy Hobdell, Valencia Marathon. So if he just saw me run past him, that would be great, wouldn't it? Hi, oh, that, that would be good content, <laughs> wouldn't it? You could definitely fake yeah. that and just like start running to a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Photoshop a bib or something. That would and, be uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's just bloody busy at the moment. It seems the end of year is always rife with uh, shoe launches. So there's always loads of ducks that need to be in a row for that. Um, and then trips, like there's just two back to back out of nowhere. So got to try and do that whilst managing all the other stuff. And then we got our Christmas break soon. Um, so, yeah, just a bit bloody busy at the minute, to be honest. Exciting. I'm glad we've managed to get this get this in on Ex- Thursday lunchtime. Exciting stuff. Who are you um, specifically working with out in Valencia? Is it for a brand or an athlete or anything or just for Pro Direct? Yeah, out, out there with New Balance. Um, so New Balance is one of the key uh, sponsors of it from a brand standpoint. They do bloody good New Balance, don't they? They've got New York. They've got... Um, Valencia and they got London Marathon. It's not bad for a not brand bad to have on your roster. Um, yeah. So yeah, out there with them, um, shooting some bits for Super Comp Elite V4, the new carbon shoe, um, and hopefully just having a bit of a nice time in the sunshine. Um, to be honest, what's the weather meant to be like over in Valencia at the oh, moment? Have you had a look? Stunning, like sixteen to eighteen degrees and clear blue sky, sunshine, no Perfect. wind. Yeah, absolutely. And the marathon, I guess we might as well talk about it as we're talking about Valencia. It starts at, is it 8.15, I think the start time is? I think you're correct, yes. Yeah. So we'll be walking down to the start line from 7. Um, and I think, yeah, elites get underway at quarter past 8. Mm-hmm. That'd um, be good. So it, should, it shouldn't be too warm, even if it does get up to like 16 no, degrees in midday, because most people no, will be finished by then. I can't remember what temperature is first thing in the morning, but I don't think it's, I think it's pretty much perfect, to be honest. Yeah. Um, do you think? I can remember. That, do you think Chipter guy is going to go faster than Kipton's debut? Nah. No. No. I don't think we'll be disappointed by Chipter guy. I think he'll run a very good time. But I reckon two oh three, two oh four, rather than like two oh one mm. or mm. yeah, sub two oh one. I, I reckon two oh three, two oh four is about what he'll run. I'm, which is I'm a fantastic thinking debut, but you know, I'm thinking two oh two low is is my prediction. Yeah, I'll have to see how he gets on. <laughs> We've already gone all over the place at the start of this episode, haven't we? But we, are we going to mention, we should probably mention the um, uh, giveaway, shouldn't we, that you alluded to in the intro? Get yeah, it out so, there nice and early. So we did have a few uh, people contact us with some generous prizes. Um, so if you head over to our Instagram now, there's a competition live. Basically, predict uh, Chapter Guy's time. Um, you've got to enter before the race, obviously. And you can win yourself a free entry into a run-through event, a bag of coffee from a Tood, and a Kenyan wristband. Wristband. So, yeah, our first giveaway. It's already been quite a lot of uh, entries. I think there's 
200 by the time I woke up this morning. So yeah, going to have fun shifting, uh, sifting through those to figure out who's actually won that competition. But yeah, that's live and, and kicking. Yeah. It's a great set of prizes, that, isn't it, really? A race of your choice from run-through, which, you know, they've got some decent ones. Uh, coffee and a wristband straight from Kenya. That's, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. So get involved. It's not quite the uh, lifetime supply of biscuits that we did discuss, but, <laughs> I mean, a Kenyan wristband will have to suffice. Yeah, mm. I'm honestly racking my brains about where I know this guy from because... Honest, if he listened to the podcast, he definitely would have messaged me. He was such an enthusiastic guy. But I, I can't think about where it's from. Maybe it was just from Strava, but I, I remembered after we recorded that he messaged me because he saw I was running. It must have been near St. Albans or something where Alice's parents live. And he was like, oh, I'm, I, I live in the local area, so if you're around for a run, let me know. So I just presumed I knew him from the podcast, but maybe maybe he just knows me from somewhere else. I don't know, but... If if you're listening and you just thought, oh, maybe I can't get in touch, maybe I don't want to expose my identity as the biscuit man, then just <laughs> the biscuit just, man, just just go ahead and do it, man. The gingerbread man. <laughs> the next competition, we have to have a biscuit prize of some yeah. sort. Well, someone kindly donated dog food, but we um, yeah, I think we turned that down, didn't we, for this one in particular? But maybe next and, time. I'm not and sure that's too desirable. Also, a- another shout out as well to someone, um, a listener who offered to do, and we didn't. We already had the prizes and I'd made the graphic at this point, so we had to kindly turn you down. But someone offered to do a personalised illustration for the winner, like draw a portrait of them or whatever, wow. they, or whatever they wanted. So um, I'm very honoured that you were willing to spend that much time um, actually helping us three donuts out. So thanks for the kind offer, despite <laughs> us not going ahead with it. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, where, where should we start with this episode? I think that we we discuss because you're in a bit of a rush, Tom, and we just have a million subjects to talk about. We're not going to go through our full weeks of training. We're just going to dart through a couple of highlights, maybe the sessions, the long runs, anything that kind of went majorly wrong. Um, yeah. Do you want anything notable? Do you, do you want to kick starters? Have you done a decent session this week? Yeah. So I guess the most notable thing. Uh, this was the first week I went from four runs a week to five runs a week, which was nice. I find like five runs a week is I don't know. It holds me more accountable. You can't like just not run for a couple of days in a row and then try and make it all up. Like you've got to have a bit more of a routine, which I definitely work better with. Um, so yeah, five runs a week, uh, two sort of one main session and then a steady run. So the session was um, six, six by a K off 200 meter jog. Uh, these were meant to be alternating so the ons or like the quicker Ks uh, meant to be 3.30 and the slower Ks were going to be 3.45. Um, I felt really good on this and ended up running a bit quicker than that. So I think the first, uh, the the quicker Ks ended up being around about 3.25s. Uh, no, maybe a little bit slower than that. But yeah, like 3.27s, something like that. Um, and then the quicker, the slower Ks, um again we're a bit too fast but sort of 340 um rather than 345 but that felt that felt really good to be honest um i can't remember anything else about this run i can't remember what shoe i wore i can't remember um it's really no pictures much. so it can't have been anything of note did i did i wear no i do remember i wore the cloud boom echo 3 for this for the first first time I've I've worn them. I've had them since bloody May, since Night of the 10Ks. Um, but yeah, this is my first time wearing them. And, I like um, the way you um, described them on Instagram. Was it Instagram you described them as? I can't. I think you said that they were a bit less compliant than you would have liked. Yeah. 
I like yeah. that word. That word in compliant. compliant. I've not heard that before. Compliancy of the foam. They weren't. They they weren't quite as soft as. Yeah, I knew what you meant. Before. I like soft shoes. I think I've I've come to that conclusion uh, based off other stuff that I've tested recently. Um, great shoe by all means. They felt you know felt easy to get rolling at that sort of pace. Like no issues at all. Like definitely right up there. But probably just a bit on the firmer end of the spectrum for me personally. If I was basically if I had a race, you know, tomorrow, they wouldn't be anywhere near the conversation of being a choice. Um, which I know is contrary to probably yourself, Callum, who rates them very, very highly. So just different strokes for different Yeah, folks, but also my my like um breadth of of running shoes that I've tried is far limited to yours to you get my yeah, main shoes. It's naturally okay. probably gonna be if it's in my top twenty percent of shoes, that's far less than yours. Yeah. No, good shoe. Good shoe. I just think for the price point and durability, it's a tough one to recommend people to go out and buy unless it's discounted, which it probably never will be. Um, So, yeah, that was that. And then, uh, yeah, I had a big day at the gym where I went a bit heavier than I normally would. And it sort of tucked me up a bit for the rest of the week. Not anything bad. I was just quite sore. Um, But the other most notable run of the week, I suppose, was just a 10K steady run um which andy said just run 10k in and around 40 minutes um and that was yeah 10k 356 average and obviously nothing crazy but i suppose it's just sort of doing a longer more sustained like consistent effort just to see how the lungs feel more than the legs um and it felt really cruisy to be honest it felt really easy uh, did the uh, uh, did you find that a longer effort felt harder than the ones where you've had more recovery, even or not? Legs wise, like fatigue wise, yeah, like strength wise, definitely. Because this is, you know, uh, some of the sessions I've done this week that we'll talk about in the next episode uh, started getting a little bit quicker. Um, you know, started progressing closer to the sort of paces I was touching before the injury and stuff. And I've noticed that. The actual pace for a shorter period of time is no problem at all. It's the strength over longer reps. So like a K, 400 Ks, miles, no problem. But as soon as you start getting to like 3K reps or like this, it's like a 10K steady. I just felt a bit leggy towards the end. It's probably the best way to describe it. Like a couple Mm. K to go, my legs, like my quads and stuff just started feeling a bit shit. Lack lack of conditioning more than 100%. Yeah, so pace-wise, aerobically, this felt great, but legs just got tired towards the end. Um, and I wore the <laughs> the Solomon S-Lab Phantasm 2 for this, and I said they were a smooth mover. Um, <laughs> so it might not be everybody's pick if you're looking for a race day shoe. Like, you're not going to think of Solomon as like, you know, oh, I'll definitely get those. But these were these were surprising. Um I quite like. I do them. like the look of them. They're kind oh, of a, cla- a classic-looking shoe, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. They they look lovely and full-length Piba midsole, so it's the good stuff. Um, again, they're a little bit firmer, but to be honest, I found them more comfortable than the uh, Cloutboom Echo Three. So, if I had a choice of having either these or the Cloutbooms, I'd probably take the Solomons. To be honest, what? Um, yeah, I'm not joking. They're a, they're a solid shoe. They're like on on the weight side of things as well they're they're pretty competitive i think they're in the 220s um in like a men's uk eight and a half so good weight good foam two nice fit very 200, comfy 240 quid they look sick yeah, to be fair 
They remind me of um, the Rocket X2, which I know, again, you really like, Callum, which is fucking great shoe, that one as well. Yeah, these um, actually do. I'm looking at images now, and they look exactly the same as the Rocket yeah. X2. That literally yeah. just the, the color and the, the brand name is different. They f <laughs> they feel similar as well, to be honest. Like that, I don't know, a little bit firmer, but just super responsive. The upper looks really good. I love that kind of upper. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Really nice and lightweight. Um, so, yeah, that was that. And then just... Uh, standards well what has become pretty standards like 10 miles 75 minute long run um down the canal with chris on the sunday um lovely stuff mate and that moving, was my week moving from strength to strength how are you going to handle um running this weekend being away in valencia and being busy and stuff well i've sort of front loaded the week not in a irresponsible way but just i've done um well hopefully not in an irresponsible way but i've done four of my five days of running like already nice. so all i've got to do whilst i'm in valencia is like a, i think it's 60 minutes steady so i can do that on the saturday or the sunday really because tomorrow is going to be a write-off with traveling so early and then like a fairly packed itinerary once we land so yeah I've, I've just had to front load it a bit this week which has meant a few early mornings and whatnot and yeah it was freezing this morning i think strava said felt feels like minus six when I did oh. the session this morning. So, yeah, that wasn't particularly pleasant. That is fun. Um, yeah, it's because it was windy as well. It was like 20 kilometer per hour winds or something like that. So, it was pretty breezy and actual temperature was minus one. So, just not looking forward to that, stuff. to be honest with you. It's going to be horrible coming back from yeah. 20 degrees every day to like minus whatever in the mornings. Do you know what it is? With the cold, I actually quite like it. I quite like when you step outside the front door and it feels properly chilly and you can layer up a bit and i don't know it gets me going for some reason but it it's not great on your lungs and it's not mm. great when it comes to like your I find my face, slippery yeah my face gets like quite uncomfortable my cheeks go a bit numb and like your nose starts feeling a bit sore and you get a bit of a headache just from the cold yeah i don't i, find. I don't mind the weather like physiologically as such but like the conditions is just it writes off any faster sessions really like yeah. of course you can do stuff on the treadmill but like if you're doing really fast stuff you can't you, there's no treadmill that goes fast enough do you know no, what i mean no. or, or anything so yeah i'm probably gonna have to go away or something in january if the weather stays like this because you can't get ready for to run a bloody 352 mile by you know going on your pure gym treadmill it's not exactly yeah. gonna <laughs> cut it so uh yeah decent well ben you'll only be back for what th three three weeks or so and then you'll be heading out to the to to valencia won't you as well i saw your little uh youtube video wait well, it wasn't a little yeah. it wasn't a little youtube video it was a youtube video um <laughs> where you made your little announcement is what i meant to say is that a soft launch <laughs> yeah, Val of the 10K? valencia 10k i've had it had it booked for about six months now so yeah that'll be my first sort of race back i reckon if, if things go if things go well i think it's oh, like I mean, mid mid-january nice little trip um and it's more of like a tune-up race before before the bigger dance in uh in february good stuff that's the plan hopefully there's but, no yeah. hopefully there's no crashes on the start line this time no that, oh, yeah, that, that was last year that wasn't was brutal it? yeah yeah that, <laughs> christ yeah hopefully they fix that a little bit and they don't have john who's run 35 minutes for 10k next to fucking jimmy gressier no what yeah. well yeah yes i know to that i mean yeah the way they seed it is like is is weird, but r really, I think it was actually as much as I love coming on air and slagging off the joggers, it probably was actually the pro runners that messed it up. I think 
because uh, they went off and did their warm up and then came back and the start line was already crowded or something like that. Nah, because basically the way they do it is I might get the terminology slightly wrong, so no one come to me if I get the words wrong. But the way they seed it is not just like a small race where you have elite and then maybe sub elite and then the masses. The elite category is broken down into like what's called like international elite, um, national elite, basically different ones. So for example, um, like Zach Mohammed wasn't in the very top international elite, for example, or like Jack Gray wasn't in the very top international elite. These are guys that have run right. 27, yeah. 28 minutes, shows how deep it is. I think it was a case of people who weren't in the very top elite category, maybe thinking that they wanted to be up there or that's kind of where they deserve to be, all sque- yeah. squeezing forward and causing a bit of carnage. And then the elite mm. women who are obviously way slower than the sub-elite men just got trampled and then it all went a bit bit tits up but i think you'll be yeah. you'll be fine ben because you'll be a fair bit not in disrespectful way like as long as you yeah. as long as you stay where you should be you should be absolutely fine i think i think there may even be an elite start and then uh the rest of the, the masses start this year to to uh eliminate that Got i'm you. not 100 yeah, sure but i think i'd probably prefer that to so it could be right at the front of the the masses rather than just getting trampled on the start line um but yeah that'll be good Shall I go through my week quickly then? Yeah, go on, go on then, Ben. So I went from three w- runs last week to four. So a nice little progression. Um, started on Monday with a seven kilometres uh, at 4.57 pace. Um, this was by myself. Very nice little route. Very foggy. Um, it was very foggy in, in the mornings for about two or three weeks, but... The fog and rain seems to have cleared over the last few days, which has been nice. We've had some some better weather over here. Wait, Even got a bit of a you didn't do this by yourself. Yesterday. You did this with Paulus Nell. Paulus. This one, the seven k. Am I not looking at the right? I don't day? think so. Uh, don't think I oh, was I'm, sorry, with anyone. I'm on this week. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm on this Monday. Apologies. Paulus wasn't even here yet. Um, so yeah, Monday seven k. Then on the Wednesday, I did a proper run called this one. Um, it was a 10.75k loop and did this one with Kush and Carmichael um, before he headed off uh, to Valencia, ready for the Valencia Marathon. Um, and this was a really nice route all on the dirt. I'm trying to do as much running off the roads uh, on the dirt. It's, it's quite soft, the surface over here, especially when it's been sort of rainy um underfoot it's a lot nicer um just to reduce some of that impact so it's sort of like a 5k you go down for 5k and then you turn and come back and it's almost uphill for 5k which is quite typical of of the routes around here very undulating uh, and unavo- unavoidable the hills but it was a good run nonetheless remember having a nice coffee after that one uh in the cafe next door so that was wednesday on friday i believe um, I did the same loop again because I enjoyed it so much. Uh, this one was was solo, um, slightly faster, 4.36 and come out as 11K this time. Uh, must have just started it a little bit um, earlier. Uh, and then finally, my last run of the week, um, which was a 12-kilometer uh, easy run. This is probably my favorite run of the week. Uh, I think it was on the Sunday. No, yeah, the Sunday. So I'd sort of been doing a run every other day this week, which seemed to to work out well. Um, I sort of ran until I got lost and then opened my phone, Google Maps it back to the one of the main roads and then and then ran home. So and it, it came out at literally 12k on the dot. So perfect little run to end the week. 
um, saw a lovely lake on this one that I didn't even know existed. So that was good. And uh, yeah, like I said, the weather was a lot better on that one. So that was probably my favorite run of the week. In total, I ran, how far did I run that w this week? Um, 41.6K. So I think about 10 kilometers further than I ran last week. So yeah, things moving in the, in the right direction. No issues whatsoever. So uh, yeah, things are things are looking good. Still going to keep up the the cross training uh, program and the strength work that I've been doing, and uh, hopefully transition to to a few more runs and a bit more volume in the in the coming weeks. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Feeling um, happy with how things are progressing. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I'd love to be to have been running a lot more while I was over here, but the last few weeks have definitely been been the best weeks obviously getting back out running like just feel so so grateful to to get out for runs whereas i guess when you're when you're completely injury free and you just take it for granted and sometimes it can get a bit boring but now i'm only doing like four or five runs a week every, every time i get out you really appreciate like just being outside and yeah having a good run so things are looking good and what's the plan yeah. in terms of return to intensity slash volume and stuff. If you kind of map that out, are you still playing kind of it by ear every single week? You're kind of deciding what to do or kind of give people a little picture of how far ahead you're planning. Yeah. So I'm basically uh, taking it um, week by week and just seeing how my body's responding. So um, I've got a, a progression run next week uh, just to test how my, my legs react to a little bit of intensity um and then yeah go from there and see see how things things are feeling but i'm not going to be rushing back to to doing mad sessions and just keep the the intensity of the sessions uh fairly low uh in the next few weeks until probably after christmas time i'll get back into to full training sounds good good stuff That's i know the how you feel anyway. when you yeah when you're talking about um uh taking it for granted and stuff it's amazing when you mm. haven't been running for a, for a little while, like how much you can just sort of enjoy and look forward to an easy run. Whereas before yeah. you might do two of them a day, like and four just or five chores. times a week and literally not even think about it or yeah. think about it for the wrong reasons. Think, oh, bloody hell, I've got to go do another run later. Or Whereas, yeah, when you're just coming back from injury, it's like the most, it's the purest joy to go out and just do five miles easy. You know, It is, yeah. Uh, and you just find yourself yeah, like the nice. first few kilometers you just find yourself like smiling and joking around like yeah it is <laughs> it is really yeah. nice definitely took it for granted before before the injury but yeah things are going well and uh hopefully be back to to sessions pretty soon lovely stuff shall i fire through my week before tom's gotta get on his bike yeah love to hear yeah, about this old out. uh liverpool week cool um yeah not that much running to talk about to be fair well it ended up being 63 miles but this is the first week that i've actually kind of like tapered in properly for a race or like the amount of tapering that i tend to do or respond well to so i just did the one session on the tuesday which was pretty uh pretty low volume session it was six times three minutes and then four times 30 seconds um, going through the kilometers, starting at 2.56, working down to 2.46 off 90 seconds rest. Um, yeah, just kind of gradually picked them up and did them ready to field. It's just about kind of getting some confidence and feeling good without tiring yourself out um, the week of a race. 
And then I did some 30 second reps around mile pace, probably. Well, a bit, it was a bit slower than mile pace, but kind of just treating them like strides or 200s because we're on the road. Um, so yeah, that was a good, good little session. Some of the younger guys were doing similar to me doing six times three minutes. Some of the seniors that weren't racing did up to 10 times three minutes. So we had a pretty decent group, um, for that one. So that was a good session on Tuesday and I did actually feel great. I, I think, did I put it in my, don't know if I put it on my Strava or if maybe I just wrote it in my training journal, but I definitely wrote down. It's the best I've felt since Riga in terms of like how I've been running in a session and those kind of like 246 feeling like feeling like really, really easy. Um, so yeah, that was kind of a, a good sign in hindsight. Then the rest of the week, I literally just did easy running plus easy running strides until the race. And then Saturday I had the Euro cross country trials, um, which is in Liverpool every year. Pretty tough course in Liverpool. It's advertised as 9.8 K. It's probably about, nine and a half 9.6 something like that maybe a little bit shorter um and yeah for those that don't know you finish in the top six in your category so either senior under 23 under 20 and you in theory will qualify for the um european championships it is a little bit more complicated than that but that's kind of what you need to know in principle and yeah had a great race um best cross-country race i've ever had definitely really strong um just took ages coming through the field i was probably looking back on the video i was like 25th or 26th after the first mile or so and then just gradually picked it up came through and then finished in that sixth spot so i said in my preview before i was like i'm either going to come sixth or like 66th basically it's either going to go well and i'm going to sneak in or i'm going to go for it and blow up and it's not going to go well so yeah good race um got the call on the monday to say that i got my spot guaranteed which is great um and yeah got racing in brussels in we're recording on the 30th of november and i'm racing on the 10th of december so what's that about 10 days or so um which is probably going to be a very similar type of race it's 9k six laps six short laps probably gonna be really really muddy and um a few obstacles as well apparently so it'll be interesting to see what kind of um obstacles they're like um mm. but yeah that was a good race if you want to see the kind of more detailed and visual view then i've got a video on youtube that kind of um talks through the race not just like about me but like about who won it and how they went and stuff like that because you can get an idea of some of the top athletes that will be going to euros to try and you know win an individual medal in which we have quite a few different athletes so if you're at all interested in uk distance running which i know some people are based off the listeners questions this week then um definitely check out those people and then keep an eye out for where you can watch the european championships next week it's always a great race um especially this year with no Jakob. Um so it's a bit more open with who could win. So it'll be exciting. Um but yeah, that's my that's my week. Did a like mo- a short long run the day after, just twelve miles. Um just to make sure that I didn't do anything silly or get injured or whatever. I was pretty beaten up. So yeah, solid week from me and a good race result, which is um yeah, a really important one to tick off. It's a significant step up in my mm-hmm. development to make a senior cross country team over nine K when I'm, you know, quote unquote a 1500 meter runner so um yeah i was really really pleased with that actually one of the what probably the best race i've had since around 335 to be fair i'd probably say it's as good as riga definitely the um as good as the world silver that in terms of how competitive it is so yeah solid really good i love how calmly and uh sort of quaintly you've just gone through that i guess it's just testament to the level you're at now but you know like you said, it's a pretty big deal and you've just spoken about it as if it's like just, you know, 
any any another day in the life sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, stay in the life of the distance project. I think honestly, it's a weird one. So that Sunday podcast I was listening to, and they were very complimentary about me, uh, the boys, and they were saying like because I'm building a like a social profile, I think people do take it for granted a bit that I'm going to make a team or do well because I've been on such a roll. But actually, like, yeah. you know, I've just said I'm as proud of that race as I am winning a world silver medal over the mile because that's how it's like out of my depth in terms of the distance. Last year in that race, I finished 42nd. Like, that's a pretty good improvement, 42nd to, 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 <laughs> to, yeah. to six. Yeah. Like, and met, like the way I ran the race was very mature. I think that's why I don't have anything like funny or like exciting to say about the race because it was very the way mm. i ran it was very boring and methodical it was go slower than you think you need to go watch the people ahead of you die don't let them get too far away gradually pick them off and make sure that you know if you look at the live stream i'm not on the live stream once until the end but it's i said to myself it's like you only need to be on it once at the end and that's when you cross the line it's like if you cross the line in sixth spot it doesn't matter where you've been for the other 9.7k you just got to be there at the very end so yeah i think that's why honestly i've got no kind of like wild exciting things i just paced it really well came through some people had bad races some people had good races um and yeah pulled it out of the bag so it'll be exciting to go to eurocross is such a good event like it's uh, last year it was just amazing so uh, I, i'm really pleased that i can go back it's gonna be such a fun trip one thing I wanted to ask you about the cross-country races is why do you think like some athletes perform better on the mud than they do, say, uh, on the road? Because if, if you look at the top six of people that, that qualified, they weren't necessarily the six fastest people in terms of if you put them on a road race. What, what do you think the difference is between like being a good road runner and being a good cross-country runner? I think there's a lot of things. I think the first thing to state is like, I don't know if it's, it's a mixture of some people are good at running on the mud, but also some people are bad at running on the mud. So I don't think it's a case of like, oh, wow, he's amazing at cross country. He's just amazing at cross country relative to other people. So take someone like, um, let's say Charlie Wheeler is a great example. He's run 13.25 for 5,000 meters, one of the top British runners. If Liverpool was pancake, if it was um, completely dry and the ground was hard, would he have done better than he did? Potentially, like it's it's impossible to know mm. how he yeah. performed relative to his ability on the mud, you know. And that goes the same for other people. But I think the two main things are one, it's it's about like uh, I call it like underlying strength. But like if you imagine every step you take just is harder than on the road. You don't have like any carbon or nice foam propelling you forward. The energy mm. return that you're getting from the mud is, is is negative. It's taking your energy. It's not giving you anything back. So there yeah. is it is far more strength. If you run a 450 mile at cross country, that might be the same effort level as running a 435 mile on the road or track or whatever. So how well prepared you are does matter a lot. So again, Ellis Cross won't mind me saying this at all. He, you know, he'll be very open about it. I raced him what three weeks ago in Seville, and he beat me by 35 seconds. Where we wore our road shoes, it was it was literally like running on the road. It was clay. It was quite hilly and stuff like that. And then two weeks later, the conditions are completely the opposite. And I finished 35 seconds ahead of him. So, you know, absolutely, I'm not fitter or stronger at all than Ellis. Like, that's not not for 10,000. No way. And I'm sure if we raced on the track, he would definitely beat me. But in terms of how well prepared I was for that horrible mud and conditions, I was probably just better suited to it for whatever reason. So I think there's there's various different factors. But if you want to be good at cross, you've got to be good at changing paces often. And all of my workouts I do, which you, you know I sell on this podcast every week, they're very rarely all at one pace. It's something a bit faster, something a bit slower, something with a float, something with this and that. And 
and stuff like that. I think that's kind of the key thing that you can train, but everything else is just like like a bit of luck on the day, I think, you know, if you fall over, if you mm-hmm. lose a shoe, if you pick a bad line, if you go off too hard, there's all those different yeah. things. So I guess you can't pace yourself like you do on the road as well. You can't be like, right, I'm gonna hit three minutes for the first kilometer because it's relative to the conditions that you're running on. So uh, maybe uh, it's uh, something to do with pacing. 100%. And of course, it's, it's all pacing and it's mentality as well. It's like some people will have gone into the race thinking, and this comes with experience, thinking, okay, it's the top six. I better stay in the top six the whole way around. And they would get scared if they were out of the top six. And if you can count, yeah. if you can count eight people ahead of you, you might panic and go, oh, shit, no, I'm ninth flight. I better speed up or whatever. And you're focusing too much on variables that you can't control. You can't control anyone else's race. Whereas if you go into it with more of a controlled mindset and you're like, right, I'm 20th, that's cool because I know I've got you know, four miles left of running and I can see them. They're 15 meters ahead of me. So what am I going to get from doing a sprint to catch up to them now? So I can pat myself on the back and say, oh, nice one. You're in the top six. It's like, it only matters when you're there at the kind of very end. So Mm -hmm. it's it's different for everyone. And the good thing is I've got enough cross-country races wrong to have learned some important lessons. And equally, I've just got it right on this day. Like I'm sure if we race Liverpool 10 times in a row, I probably would only come in the top six a couple of times maximum, but I got yeah. it right on the one time that mattered. So uh, it's easy in hindsight to say like, oh yeah, this is what you do to be great at cross country. It's kind of like, nah, I just like did really well on the day that it mattered. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's what's so beautiful about it though and pure about it though, I suppose, isn't it? Like you say, you could get a different, well, you probably would get a different result any other day of any other day of the week, but the roads are a little bit more predictable in that sense, aren't they? So I, I would say yeah, I like it. I would say so, yeah. And like it's yeah. it's horses for courses. Like that's why the Euros would be exciting. It's like okay, if it's really muddy, will some athletes do better than others? If there's a certain type of obstacle or the lap length, there's there's loads of different variables, which I think is why it's quite fun. Um, and I know that the the London International Cross Country that they're launching in January, that's on January the twentieth at Parliament Hill. Um, I know Honor sponsoring that and trying to make it really kind of. Um, like not revolutionary that makes it sound like really kind of overstated but just trying to show the public what cross country can be and how it can be exciting with a smaller lap and you know some more atmosphere and kind of a high gate feel and stuff so if you're at all interested in cross country then keep your eyes out for that event because um i think it'll be a really unique kind of one to view either on tv or in person mm-hmm. nice one tom mate it is a uh, quarter past i know it well i know it is well it's technically 14 minutes we past need, and we, i can see on the news there's uh the alpha fly three. yeah i was gonna say oh yeah we do we do need the uh shoe like, expert you can't leave i had it yesterday yeah Should i think we... go on then tom let's let's go through some running news if you've got time share yeah, your yeah. knowledge on the uh on the alpha fly three i'm sure a lot so, of people would love to hear about it yeah the alpha fly three it's obviously popped up a lot on socials recently you saw so safan hassan won london wearing like a prototype version of it and then Kipchoge debuted it, I suppose, officially for the first time in Berlin. And then Kipton broke the world record in it. And then Hassan won Chicago as well, wearing it. So it's verified by athletes, obviously. Um, like, they're not going to... Obviously, they've got a certain obligation to wear the latest stuff. But, you know, you saw Kipton wore Vaporfly 2 um, in London. He didn't mm-hmm. wear this. So it's got to be pretty bloody good if he's going to be going for a serious assault on a world record wearing it. Um, but anyway, I got hands on with it for the first time yesterday. 
uh, it was just a sample. I wasn't allowed to really wear them or definitely not running them or anything like that. Um, but I was at least able to hold it and touch it and prod it and stroke <laughs> it and uh, see <laughs> see what the general gist is with it. And um, the main headline is it's the lightest Alpha Fly ever. So lighter than the Alpha Fly the 2, which was a bit of a brick, to be honest, but um, lighter than Alpha Fly 1 as well, which is a pretty big statement, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it's also the midsole of it is fully connected for the first time. So obviously one of the biggest things about the Alpha Fly from a visual standpoint has always been the decoupling of the rear foot and the forefoot. So the AirPods and the heel look segmented, right? There's like different sections to the shoe. Whereas now the midsole is, is fully connected, um, which ultimately is just there to provide a little bit of a smoother transition. So if you're a mid foot striker or a bit more of a rear foot striker, you won't get quite so much of a jarring transition from landing at the rear to then going up onto those airpods in the forefoot um and if you're a midfoot to forefoot striker yeah it should still feel pretty similar to be honest and tom where do you get this information in terms of um as a retailer or whatever you classify yourself as in this situation are you going to events slash talks and a guy is saying hey i created the shoe this is everything you need to know are they providing you with like the, the stats and why we've made changes or is it for you as kind of a quote-unquote expert to look at what they've changed and try and work out why they've changed it and what it might benefit yeah a little bit of both to be honest so uh the stats and stuff so the fact that it's the lightest shoe ever the lightest alpha fly ever comes from nike directly and the weights and all of that sort of stuff that they're quoting comes directly from them um and the fact that so it's a different upper on this one very slightly different but they're using a slightly softer yarn on it. So it should just be a bit more comfortable and less abrasive on, on the foot. So stuff like that comes direct from Nike. But then, you know, you also have to read between the lines a little bit and make your own assessments based off what they've said and what that might actually mean in a practical sense. So um, the fact that it's that much lighter, especially than Alpha Fly 2, but the net base and so the width of the shoe is the exact same from Alpha Fly 2 to Alpha Fly 3. So it's just as wide. It's the same stack height, 40 millimeters in the heel, 32 in the forefoot, but it's somehow that much lighter. The only way that you can really do that is by tinkering with midsole, like the, the foam itself, the compound of it, and cutouts. So there is a massive cutout in the bottom of the Alpha Fly 3, which, uh, yeah, much greater than what you see on Alpha Fly 2 or the original. Um, but I, I, I believe that it's got to be a different, slightly different formulation of ZoomX. And um, one of the most recent videos, I think Running Warehouse put it up. Um, they were talking to Elliot Heath, who's one of the lead designers of AlphaFly, and he was saying we're always we're always tweaking the formula of ZoomX, as in you know we're always doing little bits to it. But he didn't outright say this is the next version of ZoomX. So it's not like other brands where they might add a plus afterwards or do you know what i mean that they're not outwardly branding this as a new type of zoom x but mm. it is a little bit different and that's why it feels a bit softer it feels a little bit lighter um and all that i would kind of i stuff. would love to know how long the foam needs to recover to like what's the optimum recovery time between uses of your shoes mm. do you know what i mean because there must be the amount of detail they go into for this 
there must be kind of like an almost an equation where they say actually after using the shoe for 30 minutes or after a certain amount of steps or whatever it is like you should let the foam rest or whatever yeah. for a certain amount of time before you use yeah. it again like, like you, a steak yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's do, do you get what i mean it's kind of like you know like i imagine it like a memory foam pillow you know when you put your kind of head into the pillow and then you take your head off you can see the outline of your head and it's gradually kind of like being filled in back to its natural shape surely there must be something like that for the foam yeah you're probably right to be honest like it compresses so much as well that if you just ran in it every day you're gonna bottom it out pretty quickly i think um but yeah i guess the only other things to mention the outsole is different as well so it's a new rubber they're using which is a lighter material um so again that helps cut down on weight and they just stripped it back a little bit on the outsole so i don't know if that will impact durability too much because to be honest i think the alpha fly especially the alpha fly 2 is is as durable as a daily trainer to be honest like I, i've not seen i've got probably 200k in my hideous bright red pair of alpha fly twos and there's basically nowhere on the outsole apart from a little bit of you know like the dimples aren't as pronounced do you know what i mean so uh talking yeah. of um alpha flies slightly off topic but i managed to find myself a pair of the original kipchoge alpha fly the alpha fly ones on vintage oh, this yeah. week 60 yeah. quid Bloody hell. So, uh, yeah. yeah, never Get been worn. Vintage. Honestly. Well, if, they've if never you're... been worn and you got them for 60 quid. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. absolutely not, can't be true, surely. What do you mean? Well, why you... would someone be selling them for 60 quid brand new? <laughs> no idea. Don't Maybe the they don't know what thing. they're selling them. Yeah. Honestly, I, th- I remember. I think the description was he'd like he'd been for a walk in them and that's it. Yeah. And then he'd yeah, had so... them on there for 60 quid, so I just paid it outright. We'll see what turns yeah. up anyway. I'll let you know. Get involved, listeners, on, on Vinted, because there's... I've I've never seen. I thought eBay was decent, but Vinted is next level for people who don't seem to have a clue what it is that they're that they're selling. Um, Another vintage purchase, unbelievable deal. Thirty-five quid for a Vaporfly two, slightly yeah. used, but um, we'll see what it see what turns up again. It's just yeah. a bit of fun, isn't it? But um, <laughs> no, the Alpha fun. the Alpha Fly three does look bloody gorgeous. I can't wait yeah. to get hands get hands on with that. It's a is pretty it, shoe. Would you say it's more genable than the previous Alpha Flies? Oh, if you wear that with jeans, you need to have a serious look at yourself in the mirror, I think. To <laughs> be perfectly honest. I remember wearing the original the Alpha Fly 2, the white pair with, with jeans, and I got some funny looks. You you wore it to a flipping craft fair or something, didn't it you? Was a, um, Why it was like did a you do that? Trousers. Why did you do that? No idea. You were but, drinking pints. Mate, yeah, you were putting Alpha Fly 2. Yeah, so you're probably that. putting freaking electrolytes in your protein shakes you're wrong and you need, <laughs> need locking up mate oh they are a good looking shoe though if you've yeah, got them are. you've got to wear them uh release release date wise though um 4th of january is when you can get a pair um and they'll they'll obviously be available at, at pro direct numbers are pretty limited it's nothing crazy um like this fast star 2 that we spoke about in the last episode we're literally getting about 25 pairs of those on the 7th of December uh, to begin with, whereas the Alpha Fly 2, like, will have, yeah, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say, to be honest. And why but... is that happening? Is that so we can all just go, oh my God, the Fast Star's amazing, it's sold out, but you're not supposed to tell no. us it's only 25? No, so this is, um like, the first drop of that Fast Star is like the Ekaden Rush version, so it gets released in a Ekaden pack, which is, the colorway is absolutely identical to the mass release colorway the Ekadon version's just got a little symbol on the side of it. Um, so that's, I don't really know why. 
Is it to make that. the shoe more desirable to the public? Because like, yeah, you tried to buy it, you can't buy it, and then everyone's like, "Oh, it's back in stock," and then everyone's yeah. like, "Yeah, let's get Speaking it." Speaking of desirable, why is Brooks the worst running brand on the planet? Because <laughs> they're like, shoes are you, ugly as I, hell. I, I don't know if you guys have noticed recently, but Josh Kerr has clearly either him or his team's been making a concerted effort to do a lot more on socials, which I'm all here for. Definitely. Like, I'm all here for it. Capitalize on it. Like, do your thing. And the content is actually premium as well. It's really good in terms of the insights he's given to his workouts and this sort of stuff, right? Um, but it made me notice, like, obviously all the stuff he's wearing is Brooks because he's sponsored by him. Like, I've never seen any of the stuff before. Do you know what I mean? You know, like how you yeah. recognize a super shoe that someone's running in or like you just have regularly seen certain colorways of the pro kit or whatever all the items i just see i'm like that looks like it's just like random bits of clothing from decathlon or whatever do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it's proper like right. it's like proper pe kit type of stuff and nothing against brooks like I'm, PE kit. you know like brooks is probably like the most popular <laughs> trainer i'd imagine with like the 40 to 60 year old like normal runner i think they have the the most popular daily trainer don't they in terms yeah, of like number of sales Probably, yeah, yeah. But it looks, yeah. It, ghost, yeah. it looks shit, though. Yeah, it does it, look terrible. That's the thing with Brooks. Like, when when I worked in, um, like, running retail, like, shops before I went to Pro Direct, like, Brooks, you sell more Brooks. You probably sell five pairs of Brooks shoes to one pair of another brand. Just because, like, for the general, what we got to remember is we're in a bit of a bubble with this stuff where we see all the stuff on Instagram and generally we surround ourselves with people who care a lot about running not just going out for a couple of days a week for a jog to stay fit and for mental clarity or whatever it may be but people who run to get better at running and listen to podcasts about running and watch videos about running shoes and so on whereas the majority of people on this planet who run don't give a bollocks about diamond league or alpha flies or any of this stuff they just want you know 35 to 65 year old average runner who goes out twice three times a week they just want a shoe that's comfortable and that preferably lasts about 2,000 miles. And that's what Brooks do very, very well. When you put a Brooks shoe on, you put like a Ghost on or a Glycerin or a GTS or whatever, they're unbelievably comfortable, like ridiculously comfortable. Feel like dog to actually run in if you're doing anything other than just like plodding. But they get the consumer hook, line and sinker just from being so comfortable when you first put your foot in. And price point is fairly decent, and they're going to last forever. So mm. yeah, I, I'm all here. I'm all here for shoes that look terrible but are really good. I, <laughs> I actually enjoy that because people will think you're shit, and you can just surprise them. Like if you turn up with a shoe that like looks really bad, well, that's why I loved it when um, Chilimo was running in Kipron because I just yeah, thought it's funny. It like he's turning up in his Kipron kit and smashing people up. I think it's great. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a passing comment on Brooks since I've seen it a lot on my um, timeline recently. Um, yeah. if Talking of. Talking of Brooks, I've actually got my first pair of Brooks that have been sent my way, which are the the Ghost Max. Yeah. They're at home at the moment, so I'm looking forward to testing them out. But I got them in that orange and, I don't know, what orange and green colorway, which oh. list just looks hideous. You didn't but, get um, the white ones, Did you see no. the the black ones that Alex Felitti had on his Instagram? They yeah. actually look very nice. They're all black, but I suppose you can't go wrong with all black. But yeah, yeah if they just looked a little bit better, I think they'd have a bit more of a... A reputation but obviously they're not doing something doing yeah. doing much wrong if they've got the like most sold daily trainer in the world so they haven't but they're not relevant with people like us and anybody who probably listens to this podcast like they maybe had brook shoes when they first started running and then got into running and found out there's far more desirable shoes that just feel more fun and exciting and look better mm. so 
yeah, they're a bit of maybe a bit of a gateway drug for someone who wants to get like good at running potentially or like not good at running but like you know what i mean their purpose for running is to get better at running as a sport i suppose yeah yeah um but i'm anyway. looking forward to giving them a test anyway see if they're any good yeah, i'll let you I know they will be I, I think they'll be decent enough ghost max are the ones i've yeah i've picked up um right i've overstayed my my welcome talking about shoes for an extra 15 minutes so i i must dash um but that was that was quite fun, wasn't it? I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. not bad. Yeah, we'll you, wrap things up here, Tom. But you boys, if you need to on. head off. You you head off. Have a nice time in Valencia. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, next episode should be a good one. We can do a proper Valencia recap, can't we? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Lovely jubbly. All right. Enjoy the rest of the episode, won't you? Oh, we will do. Will do, mate. <laughs> nice. This is where the the real party starts now. Yeah, so yeah, uh, if anyone's still listening. Uh, Get your seatbelts on because we'll have to go for a rocky ride. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up, listeners. I'll catch you next time. See you later, mate. See you later, Tom. Safe travels. All right. And he's gone. Should we rattle through just a couple more questions? Yeah, I think so. All right. A couple of listener questions. Let's have a look at what we've got here then. Um, We've got one here from a guy called Ben who's got a question directed to, to you. So should we start with that one? Go ahead. He says, Callum, I've noticed a sneaky bar of dairy milk on your Instagram and it got me wondering how much attention do you all pay to your nutrition? Do you want to kick off, Ben? Um, I would say since Boston Marathon uh, this this year, I've cleaned up my diet considerably, like just making sure I eat the right things that is going to um, aid my training and, and help me recover more Um than I previously was obviously when you start start running you can kind of get away with eating whatever you want and it doesn't necessarily have too much of an impact um so yeah I personally have have definitely cleaned up my diet a little bit more just making sure I eat the right amount of carbohydrates proteins vegetables and try not to like eat chocolate every single day of the week that sort of thing but I don't have a strict plan but definitely have definitely have some sort of conscious effort to to eat a healthy balanced diet yeah I'm I'm similar. I have certain non-negotiables like to do with the amount of liquid that I drink, certain like supplements that I take, multivitamins, stuff like that. It's kind of like my, I haven't written down like the things that um, like I definitely do every day. The other focus that I have is like, I just make sure that I eat three big meals a day, which like, if anything, I probably overeat slightly on the three bigger meals, but I find that that means that I don't really snack or have a craving to snack too much throughout the day. Um, if I do snack, it's often like having a flapjack before I go to the gym or like making sure that I have like a banana or something immediately when I come home from the gym uh, with a protein shake or something like that. Just little things that I need to fuel my training. Um, mm-hmm. And then really, I just I find that a good attitude is to like eat what makes you kind of feel good i think that's a good general principle so like you might think oh well i feel good eating chocolate so i'd eat chocolate every day but actually i think if you did that every day you'd soon find that actually you don't feel that good eating chocolate you might feel a bit unhealthy or you feel like a bit of a slob or whatever whatever um Mm -hmm. so yeah i just eat what makes me feel happy so you know i find that i need something sweeter in the evenings a yogurt some fruit a couple of biscuits something like that like i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna I'm not going to shoot myself because I've had two chocolate digestives. Do you know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, I think protein is something that you can't overlook. I think generally mm-hmm. speaking for like a maintenance, 
everyone should get at least a gram of protein per kilogram of their body weight. I think I might have made that stat up, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. So that's kind of a general guide for if you're just trying to like maintain a healthy diet. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you try, if you've got certain goals to put on muscle or build strength, then you might need more than that or less than that. But um, yeah, what I would say is don't listen to anybody else's nutritional advice um, unless they are a qualified nutritionist and that is their job to give you kind of like bespoke advice because everyone's different. There's no correct weight, no correct kind of like diet that you should be eating. Um, so yeah, just kind of try and make informed choices, I would say. But unless you're a professional athlete, just enjoy your life. Like, you know, it's there's bigger things than try to run fast, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Any other questions that uh, jump out to you there? Yeah, I think there's a... Uh, kind of a, a nice question uh, for you with your motivation through your injury. How has Ben stayed motivated throughout his injury? That's from Liam. Yeah, good question. Um, I think the main thing for me has been like keeping to a routine. So obviously as, as runners, we have days of the week where we do our sessions, which are typically harder days. And then we have our easy days. Um, which I typically would do a long run on a Saturday or a Sunday, which I haven't obviously been able to do. Um, but just having that structure in my cross training, um, so that when it comes to a Saturday, I know that I've got slightly longer on the bike than I would do on a normal day. Um, it's just kind of kept me, I'd say occupied, like motivated is a different, uh, a different thing, I think. But, um, yeah, I'd say structure has definitely been one of the main things and just having a goal as well. Like I have races in the future, like I have the Valencia 10 K that we, we mentioned, um, that's that's in the in the future and obviously the Seville Marathon I still would like to to do those to to a fairly uh, good standard obviously I may not be in in PB shape but I want to give give it my best um, when I do get there so the, the and the daily like thinking of races in the future just make like jumping on the bike for an hour that much easier when you've you've got more of a long-term picture in your head and um, that definitely has helped me yeah, definitely. And I think when you kind of, you've mentioned a lot that you kind of just tried to replace what you're doing with running, right? With yeah. training time. So I guess in terms of the um, like effects on your life, it wasn't that drastic, if you see what I mean? No, my my training load has, has roughly stayed the same, if not increased slightly, because I've had to do more cross training to replicate what I would have been doing running. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what I would say is, like, without making it too, like, hyper-performance focused, is, like, there's a difference between motivation and discipline, where, like, yeah. motivation comes and goes no matter what level you're at. There's no person yeah, in the definitely. world who, works up, who wakes up every day. I don't care who you are at what level. You don't wake up every day being, like, I am really want to do this. I'm super excited about what training and what I need to do today. I'm super excited about my diet. I'm really motivated. You know, you might have weeks and months where you feel like that every day, but you're going to have times when you also are the opposite and you feel like unmotivated or it's cold or it's whatever. And the difference with discipline is discipline is just doing the same thing every day and doing it because you need to do it. And that is irrespective of your levels of motivation. So when you're super motivated and you've got a one hour run to do, it means only having the discipline to do one hour. Don't do two hours just because you're feeling up for it. And same Mm -hmm. when you're not motivated and you've got a one hour run, don't cut it and just do 30 minutes. So if you have discipline, then that kind of levels out your kind of, your motivation whether it's low or high each day that's what i find anyway just like do what's on the paper that you planned out when you were in a logical mindset don't do any more than it don't do any less than it and if you do that over enough period of time then as long as the training is good you're probably going to get some some good results so yeah Mm -hmm. i would i would kind of 
focus on like regimented discipline rather than just hoping that you're motivated all the time because it's normal to be yeah. completely shit i'd say yeah definitely i'd say i'd probably have maybe two days a week where i feel like i'm not necessarily motivated but that doesn't mean i won't go and do my training because i've got that level of of discipline and focus on the on the bigger picture i guess yeah sweet any other questions mate um what have we got here question for callum from rob uh these are his words considering the mediocre standard of gb 5000 meter running where if you qualify where if you run the qualifying time you would be guaranteed a spot for the olympics uh in brackets there are zero chance three others will run the time only other 1500 meters stand a chance uh will you be having a pop at a couple of of 5000 meter races e.g the boston 5000 meter indoors in america in or in april um you could then try and finish in the top three at the british 1500 meter champs but have a safe olympic spot without needing to do the 5000 meter trial um, what do you make of that from Rob? The short answer is what you're saying is completely correct other than the fact that you've completely underestimated how hard it is to run 13.07 for 5k, basically. Because, yes, in like you are technically the quote is correct to say you could do the 1500 meter championships and have a safe Olympic spot with the 5,000. That is correct, but that would only be in a world where you've somehow run 13.06 or whatever yeah. it is, or whatever it is now i think it might even be 1305 this year you've run 1305 for 5k that would be you would be what the second fastest brit of all time or third fastest brit of all time i think there's only mo farah maybe somebody else before you get that time so like yeah yeah well yeah matt's got indoors yeah 100 so you'd be like third of third brit of all time i guess more the question more appropriately is probably will you be running some 5000s yeah in an ideal world i'd like to do some 5ks it's just about where it fits in best um i won't be doing a 5k indoors um because i'm focusing on trying to get the the 1500 time for world indoors um outdoors like yeah definitely would love to have a go at some um i don't think calling the standard of 5000 meter running is mediocre is necessarily fair i think the standard the olympic standard is just so ridiculously hard to get like if you if you're jack Rowan, you've run 1320 that is an absolutely outstanding 5k time it's just 1305 yeah. to get the olympic standard is like ridiculous someone is going to have to become the third fastest brit of all time to qualify for an olympic games which is just ludicrous um so yeah in the future i'll definitely like to step up to 5000 and i think some of the best 5,000 meter runners are currently what we would call 1,500 meter runners. Uh, people like Matt Stonier and Neil Gawley and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, there's, I'm not running 1307 this year, that's for sure. Uh, that would be completely bonkers. So yeah, no, interesting question though. Mm. Yeah, I thought I'd put that to you because I had no idea really what he was, what he was really talking about. But I guess what he's trying to say is it maybe he might have considered it easier to con- to to qualify for the 5000 but... yeah there's there's less competition in the yeah. 5000 but i'm 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 one and a half seconds but the standard is so high well well the standard is the same as 1500 but like i'm a better 1500 meter runner than I'm a 5k runner right now so it's much easier for me to try and run 333 than it is to run 1306 or whatever yeah um yeah that's what i would say but i think you will see this year some 1500 meter runners step up to the 5k maybe someone like george mills and like that so yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens there nice one sweet um yeah i think that pretty much wraps up the the decent questions there yeah good episode anything else you want to add 
No, perfect for me. Just around an hour. Perfect timing. And um, yeah, good episode, mate. Good to chat. Yeah, lovely chatting to you too. Okay. Um, just a reminder, we've got the old uh, competition, which is only going to be live for the first few days of, of uh, this episode being published. So if you want to enter it, make sure you, you get on that. It's live on our Instagram now. And yeah, you can uh, submit your questions like usual at runit3wayspodcast at gmail.com or via the Instagram. Um, but yeah, next week's my last week in Kenya. So uh, what have you got uh, coming up, Callum? Anything interesting? I've got just training for this the rest of this week. And then next week I'm at the European Champs in Brussels. So yeah, big week. Big week. Wow. Well, yeah, I'll look forward to, to chatting to you next week and we can have a, a deep dive into the results that um, happen in, in Valencia. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Have a good rest of your day. And thanks a lot for listening, people.